This is Finding Sparkle, Chasing Light, and I'm your host, Nicole Brianne. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am sorry this week is a little bit late. Turns out juggling a baby and some work and things is challenging, but I'm trying my best and I'm so happy you're still here. And yeah, last night I watched the Amazing Race Canada finale three times um, and I was loosely watching the show because I sort of knew a few of the people on it, but there was this one duo Catherine and Craig and they in the end they were the only friendship left everyone else was a sibling partnership and they have been friends forever their friendship got them to Broadway their friendship got her through brain cancer um, which she has terminal brain cancer so she will just have it for the rest of her life as long as her life allows Um, and I think she's already beat a lot of odds And now it got them to the Amazing Race Canada finale winners. And I can't even describe to you how beautiful. If you want to watch like the most amazing 10 minutes even of TV, even if you don't know who anyone is, you should just watch the finale. So they're like, they've kind of been the underdogs. They got COVID during it. They came back. They weren't always the best. They nailed it with like the singing and dancing legs of the race but obviously some other people are like more athletic in some ways and stuff different strengths I guess but they um they're running and the the final thing they had to do was like solve this riddle at the library that was like 27 riddles of all the challenges they've done and they finished first so they're running to get to BC place gate A and they they don't know like like how it's going to look when you get in there, I guess, or maybe they do because this is how the show always ends, I guess. I haven't watched it, but, um, they've, they run into the empty stadium and at the bottom is, oh my gosh, I'm going to cry again, is all the former contestants. And they're just like cheering so loud for them. And like, they're just so excited to see that whoever was like going to come in that door first. And it is the cutest thing ever. They're like, you can hear their microphones. They're like, is this really happening? Did we we really do it? And they like run to that platform and they won. And like, may we all find a friendship in life like Catherine and Craig. They are the most verbally loving, affectionate friendship I've ever seen, ever. Like when they're hugging, he just can't stop saying like, you're the the strongest person I know. You're the most incredible person I know. And like, he just like looks her in the eye and hugs her and tells her that. And yeah, there's one part at the end where he's like, I will always protect you. I will always watch over you. And I will always watch over your family. And like, oh, it's just so, so beautiful. And what a lovely like legacy for her to have now. Just not only did they win the show, But also, like, her children and her family will have this, like, this show they can watch. And it it shows just, like, what an incredible, resilient, lovely, kind, wonderful, joyful, fun person that she 
is. And I think that's really cool. And it kind of reminded me, I know I've talked about this before, but oftentimes in friendships, when you meet someone or you become friends with someone, you unconsciously sign a friendship contract. So, you know, you meet at work, you sign like the coworker friendship contract. And maybe that means like you grab lunch together, you make small talk and like grab a drink after work once in a while. And then sometimes that changes and you kind of like have to re-sign the contract because now you are like going to a cottage weekend or whatever. And sometimes people's friendship contract is that like they're each other's like smoke break friend. And oftentimes I read in a book once that when someone breaks the contract, for instance, like the friend who decides to quit smoking, the other friends actually don't always take it well because they don't know where to place their feelings. And maybe sometimes there's like guilt or shame or jealousy or whatever. And it's kind of hard to get a new contract, I guess. And I talk, I've talked about that with when I first started dating Lucas, the friendship contract that many of his friends had with him was sort of like, he was down for whatever, down for everything all the time. He was like the party guy. He was the single guy. And I think some of his friends kind of had trouble sort of like finding the new contract. But anyway, all this to say, Catherine and Craig have clearly had multiple friendship contracts. And every time you sign a new contract, I think it comes with like more love, more history, more connection, more closeness, because you've kind of taken your friendship to like another level, another level. You know, you have some friends from like high school, some wither away and some sign on as like friends that made it through that. And then friends that made it through breakups or through like long distance or whatever. And every time you kind of like bring more, more love with you. And I just think of Catherine and Craig who've had a lifetime of, of friendship and love and Broadway shows and cancer and marriages. And she has two kids and yeah, I just, it was such like, you don't always get those moments on reality TV where you can just like feel the love like palpable through the screen and yeah it was really special so today on the show I wanted to talk about something that might be a little bit polarizing in the sense that I know not everyone loves them but I in honor of season two starting I wanted to talk a little bit about the Kardashians And bear with me, I think you might still get something from this, even if you're not a fan of them. So I used to watch an episode of like Keeping Up with the Kardashians here or there, especially when I was home visiting my parents because I haven't always had cable and they always had so many channels. Um, And literally, no matter what time, it always seemed like an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians was on. And then fast forward to last year when I was newly pregnant and Toronto was in the longest lockdown literally ever. And it was winter and we needed like a background zero brain power show. And so Lucas and I started watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians from like season one. There are like so many cringy moments. I'm not even kidding. Like I I can't even explain to you how bad season one is. Like, it doesn't even feel like the same people. They don't look the same. I think 
in part, there's just nothing really going on in their lives. Like Kylie and Kendall are children and no one's like momager Chris hasn't really booked. She's not even that yet. So she, no one's like doing anything. So they kind of had to like always stage things almost like they remember there's one scene where they like pretended that Kendall was smoking and then like wanted to get Chris's reaction to like see how mad she'd get like it was just so weird but there are so many like kind of like misogynistic like sexist like I'm a manly man comments coming from like Caitlin who's hasn't transitioned yet and like Robert and it's yeah it's just very cringy but it's also like really cool and wild to see how far they've come so there's one scene I think where Kim is like shopping and styling and like carrying her own garment bag onto like an economy cabin flight for like a shoot somewhere and I'm just like look how far she's come and I also just want to acknowledge that the Kardashian Jenner family has many problems um, but I have to say I really enjoy them as people I don't really follow them closely on like social media or anything because I think that's kind of harder to like like them <laughs> but when you watch their show I really feel like they have good hearts and I love that Chloe like teases Kim and Courtney and I love that Kim and Courtney are great at like laughing at themselves and they all tease Chris and they have really good communication and they're really loyal to each other and they really all have each other's backs no matter what and as a side note I actually shot Chloe in Toronto once as part of a Good American launch and her producers had to like take my photo and I had to sign all these papers because their crew was also filming for Keeping Up With The Kardashians. And like, I'm sure, well, it never aired because I've watched every season. Um, they didn't use the footage, but I guess they're just like often shooting because something might like come up or something could have happened or Chloe might have gotten a call while she was here about some family drama like you just never know right they have to be ready they're always filming when someone gets the call but I was talking to the producers and they had b both been working for her and the family brand for like 14 years and I was like I feel like that said something about Chloe and her family if someone like joyfully is working for them for 14 years. They must be pretty great or at least not terrible. Anyway, 10 things that I've learned from season one of the Kardashians. Number one, when you know, you know. This season, as you know, if you follow pop culture news too, Courtney is dating Travis Barker and they were, they've been friends for a long time and like this season really captured the planning and the execution of the proposal and the whole family goes to Santa Barbara and there's this like adorably relatable moment where Kendall and Kylie grab in and out on the way. And I'm like, look, they're, they're people just like us. But then it's like immediately followed by Chris calling one of them and like freaking out that Courtney's going to recognize one of their cars on the highway and I just thought it was so funny that like, you know, you're rich when your car is so unique that if one of your family members sees it on a super busy California highway, that they'll still recognize you. And not to mention those California highways also have like tons of luxury cars, but nope, yours is just like 
fancy luxury custom and so they had to figure out if they needed to just speed up or slow down to make sure they wouldn't run into Courtney and Travis because obviously it was a surprise. And now I had some questions about this proposal just as a side note like what did they do with all those roses? I don't know if you've seen it but Travis like walks her down to the beach during sunset and proposes in like probably a heart shape. I don't remember. It's like a round like garden of flowers that they made on the beach with like a T and a K in the middle. And I looked it up and it was something like 6,000 roses. Like sometimes I have trouble finding where to put a small bouquet of flowers in my condo, let alone 6,000 roses. Anyway, that just blew my mind. But Courtney really wants to get married and she's so excited and you can tell they're like totally obsessed with each other, uh, especially since their tongues are always in each other's mouths. But um, yeah, it's just so, it's so lovely that like when you know, you know, because she obviously hadn't felt that way before. She'd had like multiple children with Scott and never felt ready or like an urge to get married. And now she's like all in. And I just think that's so cute because when you know, you know. Number two, communication equals care. So this family honestly has some of the best communication of like anyone. Um, Anytime something big happens for any of them, they all immediately address it and call each other and like stop what they're doing. They check in. There's multiple phone calls. Everyone wants to make sure everyone's okay. And I just think it's so lovely. Um, When Courtney got engaged, she was FaceTiming her kids to tell them because her children are younger and they didn't come out to Santa Barbara the way that Travis's kids did. Um, And Courtney was kind of expressing that she was bummed that they weren't there in person. But Chloe insisted it was the right choice since like Court's kids are younger and probably needed to like process it on their own. And then in that moment, Kendall asked if Courtney cared about Scott's feelings. And she said, because it doesn't really seem like it. Anyway, I love that they like aren't afraid to bring things up in the moment and just kind of like ask the hard questions. And I think one of the reasons that's possible for their family is that they've already established such like a beautiful foundation of love. And when you've done that, those smaller clear communications or like little confrontations don't feel like attacks. I think when someone or like two people don't have that strong foundation, then sometimes when someone asks a question like that, like people get defensive or they feel attacked and like they, that person hates me now or they don't love me anymore when really like that's not the case. It's totally wonderful to be able to communicate that stuff and just like put it like put it on the table. And I honestly feel like I've learned a lot about like interpersonal relationships and like communication from this family. Um, But yeah, I love that they talk about things in the moment and they always have family meetings. Um, There's one, Chloe obviously misses one of the family meetings during the Tristan cheating paternity scandal. So if you haven't watched the show or like seen on the news, Tristan, just as Chloe's like moving back into their beautiful home um, that she's built right next door to her mom. It 
the news is like broken to all of them at the same time, like with the world that he cheated again. And this time there's like a paternity lawsuit happening for the woman and the baby that he potentially had fathered. Um, so yeah, she obviously misses the family meeting and they all still like talk about it. They talk about Chloe and how she must be feeling and doing and, you know, how they're upset with Tristan and, you know, this feels like it should be the last straw and they just feel so bad for Chloe. And I'm like, how cool is it? And it, I mean, it's probably necessary in that family to have family meetings because each family member is constantly bombarded by the public. And when they go on talk shows, they're asked questions about each other and they probably want to make sure they're all on the same page. And that has probably forced good communication within their family. But yeah, I really think that they have great communication and it always comes from a place of care, which I really admire. Number three, fertility struggles spare no one. So in this season, Courtney and Travis are trying really hard to get pregnant and we learn all about like IVF and different things that they're trying to potentially have a baby together. And of course, I want to acknowledge that they have like the ultimate access to the best care, the best doctors, every costly um, procedure or whatever. But it's just a reminder that anyone and everyone can battle fertility challenges. And I'm kind of glad that they're normalizing a bit more of that as well, just like how to retrieve an egg and the way that the different things that they're doing to try and have their hormones balanced and their fertility and they're normalizing some of the process, which I really like. Fun fact, Lucas and I actually learned a lot about pregnancy and childbirth from early seasons of Keeping Up with the Kardashians because they just like really put it all out there, especially Courtney in some of the earlier seasons. She talks about everything. They were like a totally open book and they filmed her birth and she literally pulls Mason out of her own body. And like for Lucas, who hadn't really watched much at the time, at that time, um, I really think he learned a lot about birth. So thank you, Kardashians. Number four, these women have influence. Say what you will about them, but Kim took Saturday Night Live's worst rated season opener up 23%. And it was also the first time in like many years that episode two actually did better than the season premiere. Um, and one thing that I thought was funny in her opening monologue, she said something like, I'm used to having like 360 million followers watching my every move. And how many people watch SNL? Like 10 million? Tonight is just a chill intimate night for me, which was kind of wild. And it was also the first time that they had ever allowed outside cameras. So clearly it was a smart business decision for them because she really did a great job and had so many viewers and they kind of like even broke some of their own rules for the show. So yeah. Do these women always use their influence for good? Definitely not. But do they have influence? Yes. Number five, they are resilient. I mean, that goes without saying, but especially Chloe, who is extremely resilient. She faces more public humiliation than anyone else. And sometimes it just feels like she can't catch a break. I mentioned before that this season, the end of it is when 
the announcement about Tristan's latest cheating scandal and paternity lawsuit come out and she is obviously just so upset and so heartbroken but also she kind of mentions that she almost feels immune to it at this point because she's just been through so much of that sort of like public humiliation in the past with Lamar and now Tristan and yeah I just feel I really feel for her because you can tell she has a really good heart and she just like wants to be loved and wants to love someone and it just doesn't always seem to kind of work out for her there's one scene where she is talking on the phone to Kendall who called to check in and she says that like if she's being honest she's been extremely anxious and like to the point that she fainted and stuff um yeah that's I just I really feel for her and even Kim too this season she's figuring out who she is without Kanye and like I want to say I can relate to that in the sense that like it's funny because you can't actually relate to uh, a Kardashian but when my marriage ended I really felt like I had to figure out who I was without my ex and I really felt like I I truly didn't know who I was and I even sent an email like in the early early days of my processing, I sent an email to, I think I might've mentioned this before, but to some of my closest like Lululemon friends who are all about like asking for what you need and making bold requests. And I said like, can you just like write me a couple sentences about like how you see me? I'm honestly just trying to figure out who I am without like my partner who left me. And like, one of my friends, Sarah, she said, I have never felt so pulled to respond to an email immediately. But the the feeling of finding out who you are after being in, a, especially like a codependent relationship or one like that where your lives are like very intertwined, it is really hard to undo and figure out who you are separate of that person. And while mine might've been on a tiny scale compared to, you know, the most famous couple pretty much in the world, I I really felt that like that those feelings are the same I think regardless of your fame or whatever just the identity piece is something we all feel and she was so used to having Kanye like dress her and style her since 2012 that's a long time in this season she's like really figuring out who she is and she wants total independence and you know with having like 330 million or whatever people following her every move and I'm sure always have something to say um that would be really challenging now obviously in season one we don't really touch on Kanye's sort of like unhinged behavior that starts to come out and sort of like the weird threats and stuff towards Pete but regardless I know that Kim has faced her own fair share of public scrutiny and she always keeps her head held high, especially for her children, which I really admire. Number six, fame often means you're in the public eye, but being ultra wealthy can basically buy you privacy. Even in season one of the Kardashians, Kylie was keeping the sex of her unborn baby a secret. So she was pregnant in this season, but no one knows if she was having a boy or a girl. And like, that is really hard. When I go to the doctor, no one cares who my baby is. Like no ultrasound tech, no doctor, no midwife, no receptionist. No one's like, hey, if I snuck that paperwork away, I could make millions of dollars selling it to a tabloid. Like no one cares. Um, But now he's like, 
six months old and no one has seen him. No pictures, no one knows his name, nothing. And I just think like of how many NDAs and stuff that must like take. Like, so she has this beautiful office for like her makeup brand. Does she go to her office and just like not bring the baby? Is she just like having meetings with people and like, it's like the baby doesn't even exist or do like her coworkers and team like know his name and have seen him, but they're just like so scared of like what would happen if they, they leaked anything. I don't know. That would be tempting. I just wish I could be a fly on the wall and like, you just wouldn't expect there someone of that level of fame to be able to pull off a stunt like that. But then I guess you reach a point where you're just like so rich and so famous that like people, you could like fly someone into a meeting. You could just never leave your house or the baby could never leave the house. And it's like a mansion anyway. So it doesn't even feel like they're stuck in a house. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, you you could really pull it off, but I would just like, I hope everything's okay. And I hope she's okay. You know, cause it, it just seems so backwards to everything they normally do. Number seven, laughing at yourself is good for you. They've all been really good at this, both the Kardashians and sort of the Jenners. I don't, less so I feel like sometimes, I'm kind of like met about Kylie. I mostly love the Kardashians. But this season, one thing that's funny is Courtney brings Benny Drama, who's been impersonating her for years. She brings him to do a video for Poosh. And it's just like so funny because she's like totally into it. Like she loves that he's, and maybe it seems a bit narcissistic, but yeah, she loves that he does impersonations of her and she's like totally into it and she thinks it's funny. And I just think that's great. And it's probably easier when you're like rich and famous and can buy whatever you want. But I still think it's nice that they are really able to laugh at themselves. And I've really felt like Kim is great at laughing at herself. Like even when she was on SNL, all of her scenes where she's talking to the cameras, she's always able to laugh at herself. Even Kendall in this season, there's one scene where she's in some weird like health chamber thing that she like watches Netflix and replies to emails in. I can't even remember what it does. But she's like talking about how she's so obsessed with her health. Like she gets like IV drips all the time and takes all these things and lies in these chambers and does all these lights and different things. But she's like, I'm so obsessed with my health that like it's probably unhealthy at this point. <laughs> and she laughs and I just think it's funny. But I've always liked how sort of like self-aware they are and how, yeah, how they're able to laugh at themselves. It's a good reminder to not take things so seriously sometimes and just laugh. Number eight, blended families can be beautiful and positive. So this family has always been really great at that. They say that their dad and Caitlin were great examples of this, like when they were children, which I guess is in part because of their mom too, but it takes everyone being open and communicative to make that possible and comfortable. Um, but watching the way the family continued to support like Scott or Lamar back in the day or Kanye and even Tristan, um, is just like really lovely. They don't make things awkward. I think this season there was like a little bit more of a challenge here and there navigating some of the Scott stuff just because like Travis is there now and because it's probably kind of weird for Scott to be at like their engagement and stuff, but they're figuring it out. They're talking about it. They're trying to have open dialogues. Like I said, they're communicating and I think that like always they're going to figure it out. Number nine, they are fiercely loyal. 
So in every season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, I really felt this, and it was one of the reasons I grew to love their family. They support every decision the other sisters make, even if they don't always understand, and they, like, always have their backs. So as an example, Courtney's doing this, like, kind of strange cleanse where she's not allowed to, like, eat all these certain things. She's not allowed to, like, do any, like, physical activity. She's not allowed to have any sex or, like, anything like sex. They even make, like, a foot joke about it. And Chloe doesn't get it. She's like, that is not what I do. I don't really understand it. Like, I don't get it. And she's like, but... If it helps her feel good and it helps her relax enough that that egg will just drop, she's like, great. I love that for her. I want her to do it. I support it. I think it's great. Oh, the other thing that they were doing was like she was like steaming with like rose petals her vagina. And that's where Chloe was like, yeah, no, I don't care to steam my vagina. I don't want it to be any looser or softer. I just want it to be firm and tight. But she was really happy that Courtney was doing it. Number 10, people will only understand things through their own lens. So the first time Chloe took Tristan back after cheating, the trolls came out and they were like, honestly, so mean. They'd be like laughing in disgust, calling her every horrible name. And Kim defends her in this season and she says that when you have a child, you will do anything to make it work. And I really love that she expressed just like how proud of Chloe she was because Chloe wanted to make it work. And I just think that people don't always know everything that's going on or they're only able to they're only able to see things from the decisions they think they would make or the experiences they've had that have led them to make the decisions they'd make. But until you've been in someone's shoes, which you never can be, you don't know how or what you would do and how you'd respond. And I mean, I know that I even kind of felt that way when I wanted to stay with my ex after he cheated. People didn't always understand that, but it was the friends who just loved me anyway and trusted that I was making the decision from my own place and my own lens and just like loved me through it and figured I would figure out what I needed for me anyway and just wanted to be a safe supportive landing pad for me was the best and to have someone like Kim really stick up for you and say that you know It's 10 times harder to stay in a relationship like that than leave because of all that outside noise. And it's true, like, I'm not saying that everyone should make it work or take back a cheater by any means, but I think each person should be able to make a choice for themselves. That's what they need in that moment. And it should be able to be supported. And like, yes, I understand the Kardashians have chosen to be in the public eye, yada, yada, yada. But also, like, they are humans with real feelings, and when children are involved, I just think they deserve a little bit more respect and kindness because they are humans too, and feelings are feelings for everyone, no matter how wealthy or famous you are. Anyway, that's my recap of season one. I thought it'd be a bit more fun to sort of make it some lessons I learned as opposed to just blabbing on about the show, but I'm really excited for season two. I'm curious, like, 
will we see Courtney's weddings? Probably. Or will we learn more about like the fertility journey? Is Pete going to be on it? How will they address all the Kanye stuff? Is Chloe back with Tristan? Do we get to see their new baby? Do we get to see Kylie's baby? Um, I mean, I guess Kendall and Devin, I don't think they're together anymore. But yeah, I'm excited. I have really grown to love this family. They, they've they been there for me through some things as a TV show from the comfort of my couch. But, you know, I'm curious what you think of the show. If you watch it, if you'll tune in now, maybe after you've listened to this, let me know. Well, I have a plane to catch. I'm heading on my first business trip with Remy. Thankfully, it's Calgary, so we'll have some extra help during my shoot. But that's our show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening, especially as I find my footing in this podcast space. Thank you so much to Lucas for being such a great supporter and editing and taking the babies out while I'm able to record this. And thank you to Mike Halleck for the music and for Alyssa for always supporting my ideas and helping suggest them, basically being my producer. And remember, you can only meet someone as deep as you've met yourself. Thanks so much. Bye.